Hello, this is Bass Squad Radio. Um, another one on the new podcasting equipment. <sighs> you guys have been absolutely amazing. I, I know we have an issue with iTunes, so we're going to try and get that back up and, and running on there. Um, yeah, so today I'm going to have um, Austin Felix call in from uh, University of Minnesota. He's the reigning national champion for FLW Tour, or the FLW College Fishing Series. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. I think he's going to be talking more about just the tournament in general and and other, whatever whatever comes up. So, um, yeah, so this week I got uh, started. Everybody knows Survivor Man, or if anybody's watched Survivor Man, it's the show with Les Stroud. And he's got, uh, he's just, he's out there by himself and one camera or whatever, how many cameras he brings up by himself. He survives for seven to ten days. And I already thought he was a bad man, like a crazy dude, and he's awesome. I love him so much. And then, and then all of a sudden, it turns out I found out he's a huge musician. And uh, I'm just gonna play one of his songs because I find it absolutely unbelievable that he he's also just a crazy good musician. And now, and and guys, don't go out there and if you guys want to listen to this, I'm gonna play it right now. But if you guys want to support, don't don't rip it off of YouTube or don't rip it off of anything else. Just go on iTunes and buy it. I mean, it's just the way to do it and support. Uh, your local artist. So, so here's uh, Les Stroud with uh, new tattoo. I, I don't even know what it's called. Something with tattoos, but it's it's a pretty awesome song. So here it is. Thank you. 
All right, that was it. Um, yeah, that was just so cool. I, I'm so it's so nice to see somebody that like has two completely different skill sets, and that was actually on the Joe Rogan podcast from a it's a while back. It was a live live recording in studio. So check check him out on uh, iTunes. That's the Survivor Man guy, Les Stroud. Um, yeah, like I said, it's just cool seeing somebody that like has one art form, and then he has a totally different art form, and you can just tell he's got passion for it, and it's it's a cool deal, but uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna get on with this. Um, try and get Austin on the line here pretty soon, uh, and you know, just just uh, talk about fishing. So, hey, Austin, are you there? I am. Hey, first off, man, congratulations. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on, and uh, just want to introduce yourself and the Minnesota fishing team, maybe. Uh, I'm Austin Felix. I am the vice president of our Minnesota Fishing Club. What uh what's your major, first of all? Uh I created my own major. I designed it around entrepreneurship and sustainability. Oh sweet. Um yeah, so you guys obviously just won uh won the national championship. Just do you wanna describe uh any of that anything you wanna touch on specifically or anything you wanna tell us about how amazing that experience was? you know now with winning you're just you're shouldering a huge huge uh I don't want to say burden but you're like the first guys ever from up north to to ever this far north especially to win something down there and it, it's just it was just so cool to hear even though you know I'm from a rival state or whatever you want to call it but it, it's it was just so cool when you guys finally when you won it was just like wow they finally a, a northern team is up on the map Yeah, I fish a lot of Midwest tournaments right. back and forth across the border on both sides. Yeah, it's, it's similar fishing no matter what. Right, right. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm glad finally. That it's not like we don't have respect down there because I think that kind of faded away. But when we first started, I don't know, I've been fishing since 2008 in the college. So well, I'm done now. But so, yeah, it's just but it's nice to see somebody like you guys finally break through and win one of these things. Um you want to take us the first two days were just awful conditions down there. Um, do you think, do you feel like you were a little bit more prepared because you're a northern, northern angler? Uh, I think being a northern angler helped a little bit. The main deal was 
first of all, FLW did a terrific job of finding an obscure lake. That yeah, much information I've on. never even heard of it before, so. Yeah, neither had I. Um, but I knew it was right next to Hartwell. Okay. Quite a bit about Hartwell, and when I dug deep enough into Google, I found some information on it. Uh, basically, it was almost all spotted bass. Okay. From past results. Seem like the winning bag for say the BFLs and whatnot mm-hmm. would usually be between 15 and 18 pounds, and usually that bag would consist of one or two of the really big largemouth in the lake. Okay. So and they get as big as eight pounds, I guess. Nice. Um, but after that first place, it seemed like it dropped down, and consistently, if you had 12 pounds, you would be in the top five. Okay. So. We made the conscious plan to target spotted bass with the assumption that if we could put 12 pounds a day in the boat and be around 36 by the end of the tournament, we'd be right there to win and be able to reel in any of these teams that maybe jumped out to a fast start Okay. with a big, largemouth. Uh, as it happened, the two teams that were in front of us, half one of the two teams that caught those giant largemouth the first two days. Yep. But going after them every day, I think they averaged around eight pounds the other two days, and they didn't get that big bite. So you guys had a just better average size all three days? What were you guys doing? Uh, we were fishing deep main lake points and humps. The first day, or actually the day of practice, we got out there on the water at 3 in the morning. I talked to Kevin Hunt, the tournament Jeez. director, and he, said, and he said that practice starts at midnight, so I'm allowed to do that as long as I'm at the meeting. That's brutal. <laughs> so jumped out there at 3 a.m., and Chris and I graphed for four hours in the dark. Oh, God. And just marked as many brush piles and schools of fish and just figured out where all the bait fish seemed to be. And that was... It was actually... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It was actually pretty crazy because when we were out there at dark, when you find the bait fish, they were everywhere. Yeah. All, I, the, way, all the way up the water column to the top. And they ball up a little bit towards the afternoon? Well, as soon as we went in for this morning meeting that we had to be in at 7, yeah. and the sun popped out or daylight, we went back out and 90% of the bait had disappeared. And I mm-hmm. assumed they must have either pushed out deeper or pushed to the bottom. Okay. Wow. It was just interesting. That is very interesting. Were they real, like, I saw that, I had read the article, is like mainly 30 to 40. You guys were fishing? Uh, well, it depended on the day. The okay. first day of the tournament, it blew like crazy. I think it was blowing steady 15 with dust okay. like 25 or something. So we were throwing three quarter ounce outcasts, touchdown two roller jigs, and their uh, shakedown roller shaky head jig. Okay. But we had upsides just to combat the wind when you were sitting out there. Oh, right, um, yeah. And that... when it was that windy, it seemed like all the fish were up shallower. They were on top of the humps. So we were catching them right off the top, and you kind of call your shot. And it was really one fish per hump. You just had to hope it was a good one. Okay, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, so so then day three, you guys uh, had made a, like a real big-time decision from what I read. calmer mm-hmm. and we we the fish started sliding out deeper with the wind going down so we caught them in a combination of that outcast jig and 
finesse Kitech roller. Okay. And just a shaky head. And the fish seemed to move from these isolated humps to long uh, sloping points. Okay. We were catching off sloping points the second day. Uh, the third day, it was dead calm and sunny. Huh. And with those conditions, and it's supposed to be 73, we were afraid that somebody was going to crack a giant bag of largemouth yeah. and push up into those cricks. Yeah. So we were worried about that. The only plan we could come up with was to see if we couldn't get a good limit early and then chase a couple of those big largemouth. We did spend the last couple hours of our only practice day up in a few crooks and we saw some cruising mm-hmm. jumbo largemouth so. it's pretty clear down there it is it's really clear okay hey like you can you can see them spot bulldogging 10 feet down oh geez yeah that's pretty <laughs> crazy uh, but yeah we ended up getting uh, a pretty good bag starting off we caught three fish off our first spot which was unheard of that whole week to mm-hmm. catch more than one nice. and then we went three or four hours without another bite and we actually went back to that original starting spot and cracked three more fish and my partner chris caught two of the biggest fish we caught all week nice solid three three and a half pound spots and uh that put us probably around 13 pounds so we thought if we're going to go for these large enough, we had to go now. It was about noon. And we went for it, headed all the way up the lake, probably 10 miles, fished a couple cricks back there. We actually did see a couple of big cruisers, but you just couldn't give them the bite. Right. And with about 45 minutes left, we decided uh, forget it. And we ran all the way back down to the south end of the lake and stopped on the same location we'd been catching all our fish. And managed to catch one more real good one that called out our last sub two pound fish. So yeah. We had, we had by far the biggest bag the third day and we increased our bag size every day from eleven to twelve and then twelve to fourteen. So mm-hmm. you can't really ask for anything more than that. It was pretty much the perfect tournament. Did you guys ever have like I've always, I've talked about it before, like that like feeling that you just that comes over you, you really can't explain it at all. Like when you kinda know or have at least the idea that you're pro- you're gonna win and especially i can't even imagine when it was like with tournament of that scale did you guys ever have that moment where like you just were like oh my god dude we could actually do this you know on day three once we had our full bag i knew we had put a lot of pressure on the two guys in front yeah. of us the problem was the whole field was within three or four pounds yeah. of each other and all those guys were fishing up shallow and the dock talk during weigh-ins the first two days was so ridiculous from people talking about losing oh. 18 pounds of fish and losing six pounders and stuff that the whole time I was just thinking, I know we put pressure on the guys. We just have to dodge that big fish, big fish that somebody might catch. And, I mean, so I never really felt super confident. I think you're going to be in the top two of whether or not one person was going to crack or not. Yeah, so what was that, uh, that feeling like when you got when they finally announced the weights and you guys just found out you won? Uh, it was pretty crazy. When we pulled into Walmart, most of the guys were down, and there was a bunch of big tank talk, and it sounded like nobody had done real well. So at that point, we were pretty sure. 
was weighing small weights, I knew most of the guys behind us. Right, they weren't going to... So. Yeah, I mean... And then just from there, the life changing completely. Yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, you get moments where you realize what you just did, like driving home. Oh, God. 19 hours, you just sit there and you like don't really realize what's going on. But then every once in a while, it comes to realization, like, it doesn't get any bigger than this in college fishing. No. You just won the top prize, and it's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean... I've I didn't even win one time and it was a top five at Louisville and I and I and I couldn't it was like an hour or two and it just registered like oh man we did did pretty good down there and are not in our wheelhouse at all like sure. I mean did you guys even have you guys even fished this year until the, until now no so and that no. that just alone it's just hard for southern guys to grasp that you know we don't fish for six months and. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you drive down and you win a tournament of that caliber. And it's just, I mean, did you guys go through any, some, I, I know you went through some crazy stuff the first couple of days of practice. Um, you want to, you know, I, I heard about you guys, you have like long-term Lyme disease. Yeah. Uh, basically what happened, I've had Lyme disease as well as a few co-infections okay. for since 2006. And I've been on and off of treatment for the last year and a half or so I've been steadily on treatment. The thing about it is, is with Lyme disease, you have to continuously change your antibiotics okay. and other medications. To is it like adapt to like... Yeah, to keep it on its toes. Okay. So I had been on new medication for a week or two or a few new medications. And I think just the combination of driving 19 hours straight and this new medication, I was just overly exhausted because... And it just depletes your immune system too. There, the first, the second night we were there, I started having a bad reaction, and my immune system started attacking itself. So oh, Jesus! I ended up, and so I ended up going into the emergency room and getting a bunch of steroids in order to calm down my immune system and get everything back in shape. Um, we got down there three days early with the intent of fishing Hartwell and being able to knock the rust off right. and make sure all of our tackle and all of our equipment was working. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we didn't get, in, get to do that. Luckily enough, my partner Chris was patient enough. Yeah. So I, spent, I spent the two days prior to that practice day just laying in bed in the hotel. Um, it must have killed you, too. <laughs> I mean, not just the yeah. fact that you were in just an just a terrible condition, but just not being able to be out there. And, you know, you've been waiting for how many months to do this. And then you get down there and then throws you a curveball like that. Well, I was just really worried I wasn't going to have the energy or be right. able to fish the tournament. But I called uh, the tournament director and talked to the FLW. And uh, Kevin Hunt told me that he understood what was going on and they make special arrangements. If need be, I can get off the water early. So basically, just he didn't want me getting off the water and coming back and then getting off because I could be getting information and whatnot. But right, right. For the most part, they were totally accommodating. Luckily, I was feeling better by the first day of practice, so we didn't have to do any of that. That's that's still pretty insane. I mean, it's like a movie just writes itself that you guys ended up winning too, which is just. I mean, I don't think, and I mean, I know you obviously know, but you just the way that you 
a northern angler just is just so awesome for me and and the fact that you're now going to be able to fish the forestwood cup in your school colors how that's just so that's just so cool and now finally that college fishing is starting to take off again it's kind of went on a little lull and now it's starting to take off again and now you get that opportunity where's that at now forestwood cup it's on Murray back in South Carolina again, so I get to head back. So is it, it's it was, there. That's a blueback. Uh, it is, yeah. It's a really good blueback lake. Uh, I've never really dealt with blueback herring. Right. Huey has a few of them, but not enough for it to be the main forage. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done quite a bit of research on it so far, and I'm going to spend a solid week or two down there pre-practice. Okay. What? Idea of when does pre-practice start? Uh, pre-practice, um, I think it's uh, off the top of my head. I think it's the beginning of July or something is when you aren't allowed to fish with anybody but other competitors or immediate family. Okay. Something like that. I think the middle of July will spend a week or two down there. Solid. So, like, what uh, what other aspirations do you got after college is over? You want to try and make it on the pro circuit? Yeah, that's my ultimate goal. I mean, it's a pipe dream, and you hear it from every kid fishing college that they want to do it. But I actually, straight out of high school, I took a few years off because I wasn't motivated to go to college and basically fish full-time. And okay. I've been fishing... 20 to 30 tournaments around the Midwest every summer. Yeah. Oh, last, yeah. The last six or eight years. So I feel like I've got a lot of experience doing it. It's really what I want to do. And I've made quite a few awesome connections, whether it's through Outcast Tackle or Hydro Wave or Red Bull or Lawrence. And I mean, that's just, yeah, that's awesome that you're like. I was talking with Teddy, well, he's, I don't know if you contacted him, he's a part of Bass Squad too, but he, him and I had talked about how much college fishing has just changed completely everything, where it was more so just you had to go out like you were doing, grinding around by yourself, and now it's just, you're just, these opportunities are just thrown at you, and then it's just, you can, it's not, I wouldn't want to say it's easier, would you think it's easier now to make connections because of college fishing? Okay. So it, it builds relationships, and there are people that, for lack of a better word, want to jump on the bandwagon. But I mean, realistically, I think it's a great stepping stone if you want to move on to professional career or say the Ravax or the DSS Opens in hopes to get to the leader tour level. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, as far as as far as sponsorship things go, I feel like a lot of times it can be a bit over sponsored. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were talking about that. Uh, we had a particular instance with Boat US when we had a tournament there, and we heard a guy, and he was telling a story about how on stage about how he caught a the big bass of the tournament on a sweet beaver, and then the press release came out, and it was just so happened to be caught on a chigger craw now because that was their main sponsor was Berkeley, so. 
I mean, you see that a lot in college fishing. I mean, the money just isn't, I don't know, the money needs to be generated through sponsorships. And I kind of understand where they're going because of that. So I don't know. And I don't want to speak ill of it because it's given me every opportunity in the book to make good connections. And like you said, just sponsorship connections. Oh, and yeah. I got nothing but praise for Paul's fishing and what they're doing. I mean, it's just an awesome deal in general. Yeah. And then the camaraderie you get with, with not only your, your personal club, but then, you know, other people in other schools like the ulm team i'm actually friends with one of the guys on there so i was like pulling for them first and all of a sudden i see i was oh there's guys from the north competing too and then all of a sudden i seen you guys win and it was just i mean it and the thing is is that nobody really bad mouths anybody else like right. it's not you, you just want you want to see everybody win just as much as you want to win you know yeah was it or who was it that you're friends with was it brian or nick or nick Nick actually uh, helped me. My truck blew up in Texas one time, and I had to get back for finals. And he drove me all around Jasper, Texas, looking for a battery shop and a U-Haul place. And it just—and I barely knew him, but then we kind of became friends after that. Yeah, those guys are awesome. We actually stayed at the same hotel, and the first night they pulled in there, within moments we were shooting the breeze and talking about tournaments and whatnot, and we spent a lot of time chatting and hanging out with those guys all tournament there. Yeah. Really cool guys. Oh yeah, no, they're they're solid, solid fishermen. Um, do you got like uh, any other tournaments coming up? That national tournaments, or is it just when did your club season start? Uh, Chris and I are actually headed to the BASS regional qualifier on Ozark. Oh, are you? Yeah. So we have a bunch of guys doing. Week from Thursday. Okay. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing sometimes. Right, and from what the path weights, I mean, FLW was there last year, and I think four fish won the tournament, and yeah. two fish for pounds made a top fit. Yeah. Realistically, I doubt I'm going to catch too much to make the cut, and even if we don't make the cut, we're mainly just fishing it, so... We had the opportunity of fishing a wild card in Pickwick in July if we had, if we need to. And at that point, we'll go down and actually practice. And that's fish fishing, which is more fun anyways. Yeah. Do, you, you, you ever fished Pickwick before? No, but I mean, our first event last year for the FLW college deal was on Kentucky Lake, and we were cracking them down there. So. Yeah, that's a let. I mean... The ledge bite is just hard to get on when, if you don't know what you're looking for, but obviously you seem to be pretty well-versed in, in that if you were catching them on Kentucky Lake pretty well. Yeah, that's my main thing about this whole northern angler deal. I feel like where southern anglers get to fish all year round, on the con- contrary to that, when we go out in general, we seem to catch more fish or just more lakes are more plentiful and the fish bite all year round where you get down south and summertime everything goes dead because it's so hot. Right. So it allows anglers to practice and learn new techniques and have enough positive reinforcement for, for catching fish that they can, you can be more diverse than, I'd say, a lot of 
I I uh, I I completely agree with that, and and you know, <clears throat> I talked about this before. It, it's it's really like that that six month period or five month period or whatever it may be that we have off. I mean, we're doing nothing but studying and reading and learning stuff that, and we almost have this like extra drive once the spring starts to fish more. I think, whereas they're like they don't get that like off period where they can, they can fish whenever they want. You know, it's a, it's a tough thing to learn and it's a tough thing to, I don't know, it's tough to put into words, that kind of thing. But, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you with the stubbornness thing. You, you got to be completely diverse, yeah. but, but yeah, man, um, unless you want to plug any more sponsors or tell us any travel stories that you want, uh, something that happened, otherwise yeah. you, you can go ahead and uh, get out of here if you want to. You got, I know you got to get going soon, but. Yeah, um, first, just thank our supporters for the team Shimano, G Luminous, Jackal, uh, Outcast Tackle, Red Bull, uh, there's also Fast Utopia and Citywide Maintenance. Those are just but a group of companies and individuals that have really helped us throughout the year. And we're hoping that this will actually put Minnesota back on maps for fishing. We've had most of our young recruits that are coming out of the state seem to be going towards Winona because of their recent success. So yeah, yeah. We can pull back some of those guys. <laughs> yeah, we know we know Cade and and them guys up in Winona, and but yeah, no, it, it's I think it's just a great thing what you were able to accomplish, and I think everybody up north just super happy for you and it's unbelievable that you know and then now that just minnesota like you said is on the map and i mean i've never even known it as a fishing school but now it's like obviously one of the powerhouses and they got to be looked at this is so sweet thanks a lot man um you can go ahead and get going uh, i'm gonna continue on a little bit but uh but yeah just dude thanks so much for being on the podcast appreciate it keep in touch if you get anything for sure dude all right take care all right, that was Austin Felix. Um, uh, it was really cool to hear his just road and story to get there. Um, and, and you know, I I like to just say this again. You know, I, I've talked a bunch of times about college fishing and some of the things that I disagree with, some of the things that I agree with. But ultimately, like he said, it it is one of the best. I, I kind of had a little audio issue where the sound cut out a little bit, but uh, hopefully that doesn't really matter much. To I mean, it didn't wasn't really too important, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's the opportunity. If you have the opportunity, please go and do it. Um, if you're a high school kid, listen to this, or you're a kid that's in college that really likes bass fishing. You haven't, or you don't may your school may not have a team, may not have a club, start one, go to your, whatever your student government association is, and just talk about starting a club. And for the most part, schools are extremely accommodating and, Anything that they, anything that they, they, uh, you do to promote that school, you know, it's, it's something that they're not going to go away from it, it. It's, it's super important to the school and it's, I don't think, especially the Northern schools don't quite realize the potential and hopefully this Minnesota team winning and showing the dollar amounts that it potentially can bring in. I think schools are going to start to become more and more 
privy to it. I mean, there's hundreds of schools that now have, have college fishing teams. And we, when it first started, there was only maybe 30 and they were all Southern. And I think, I think actually W Madison was one of the first initial teams in this, but, but yeah, it's, it's an opportunity that you cannot go by. You cannot pass up. It really, it really is amazing. So yeah, anytime I'm going to get a chance to interview a college guy, it's just, it's just so awesome because somewhere I came from and I'm glad to see still going strong, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we talked, he talked about the differences and down South and up here, just totally, totally different style. And another thing is, is the, is the wildlife down there is absolutely insane. Like I've never even seen a cormorant before, before I went down, down South for the first or second time. And I think it was, I think it was Pickwick when I was fishing and, uh, I was with Adam and all of a sudden I look up in the, in the trees and there's just, I mean, just thousands of them. And so Adam and I are looking and we're hearing these like, or however they, they make these noises. And, and all of a sudden something spooked them and they all came flying at the boat. And I mean, it was a swarm. I can't even describe it anything else. You couldn't even see the sky. And then I, I don't know if you just have ever been around them, but they just, just shitting like absolutely crazy it's just like a wall of it it's just coming we just braced ourselves and just got got completely drenched with uh cormorant <laughs> i mean it was just one of the most disgusting things i've ever seen and i, and I have total I, I don't even fish anywhere near when i can see just a whole tree full of cormorants when i'm fishing around so that was one thing that was crazy and i and another thing about the the weather is just t- it especially in Florida because I had never fished in Florida bass fished in Florida before two years ago uh no it was last year 2012 so last December or December 2012 so uh so we're me and Adam are fishing this on the Harris chain and all of a sudden it was sunny out then I don't know 10 minutes later the cloud turns dark and just pouring rain like where you couldn't even see and the wind is just just about blowing us out of the boat. And we, we, we had no idea what to do. We were, I mean, we we're completely green in this aspect. So we're kind of staring at each other. And we just we seriously beached the boat and jumped into the middle because we thought we were going to just blow around and die. It was it was one of the most humbling experiences because like I, I was just like so totally unprepared about about anything like that. Any any type of weather system like that. It was just tropical whatever. It, it was absolutely insane so that's one thing we don't really have to deal with up here besides like the uh well the 400 inches of snow that we get per winter but you know that's just that's kind of expected but uh, yeah so right now spring's starting to well winter's kind of breaking except it was 10 degrees this morning up here uh i think i'm just gonna end it right there um keep it a little shorter this week guys we got uh one thing, we got our new prices, our new inventory coming out. We got black t-shirts with white logos and white t-shirts with black logos and then the white hoodies. So we still got that up there. You guys can still use the podcast discount BSR when you guys check out. Um, a little bit different prices just because we kind of figured out the whole shipping and handling stuff. And we're working out a bunch of details yet because we're still, we're still really, really green in this whole situation. So uh, you can do that. We got product reviews coming out um trying to think of anything else i'm probably gonna do another podcast later this week 
I'm not really sure if I'm going to have a guest or just rant by myself. But uh, yeah, so thanks a lot for listening. Uh, please continue to support us by listening to the podcast, hitting us up on Twitter, playing with the Facebook. Our YouTube channel is finally starting to get some views, so that's really cool. Um, but yeah, so Bass Squad Radio is out right about now.